Hey, um, hopefully you've been tracking with your journal. And if you don't have a journal, you can grab one today on your way out. Uh, there's some in, in the little entryway. And really, these are tools that we want to help you uh, and, and help ourselves as well take steps of faith and move in, in healthy directions. And um, this week, we're going to continue that. We're on page 21 uh, this morning, and then the rest of the week, Monday through Friday, we've got some, some good questions and some scripture to help you uh, take this just a little bit further. We're in, this, we're in this conversation about this story that most of us know, Goliath, David and Goliath. Goliath Must Fall is the name of the series, but you've heard the story of David and Goliath, and if you've been hanging around for the last three weeks, you've definitely heard it, and you're like, what is the angle this week that we're going to walk out? Um, David and Goliath, an unbelievable story of God empowering uh, young David, a shepherd boy, uh, who takes down the, the, the giant named Goliath, the Philistine. And um, the truth is, all of us in life have giants that, that seem to rise up from time to time and taunt us just like Goliath was taunting the Israelites. And there are, there are moments in life when no one else realizes that there's a giant taunting us or a giant controlling us, but the truth is all of us will, will come to that point in our lives where it feels like we are controlled or taunted by some giant in our lives. And sometimes that's addiction, uh, sometimes that's anger, um, sometimes that's cynicism. I mean, there's all kinds of giants in our lives that, that seem to control us and have the power to control us. And I want to start this week with something that I said last week. And the reason I want to start with this is because I don't want you to miss this because it's rainy outside and you're sleepy. And so while I've got you, I don't want you to miss this. Are you with me? Yes. Here it is. And uh, Craig Rochelle said this, but I, I stole it. There is, I want you to hear this. There is no sin in your life. There is no sin in your life that is too great for God's grace. There's nothing in your life that God's grace cannot cover. I want you to hear that loud and clear. There is nothing in your life that God's grace cannot cover. There is no habit in your life that's too big for his healing. I know there are habits that we all, like, fall into or we, we walk out in our lives and sometimes we feel like those habits are just too strong to break and there is no habit that is too big for God's healing in our life and there is no label that others have put on us or that we have put on ourselves that is too strong for his love. And I want you to hear that this morning loud and clear. That there might be a giant in your life that seems that it, he or it cannot be overcome. But there is nothing in God's economy for you that is too strong for his love and his grace and his mercy and his healing. There's just nothing in your life that's too strong for God. And I want you to hear that. And that's part of the, the good news of Jesus is that we don't have to be controlled. We don't have to be taunted by those giants any longer. And I want you to hear that there's, um, there's power in community. There is power there is strength in a community that is honest and humble with each other. There's power in that. One of the things I love about great championship teams 
in sports is I love seeing teams that don't have a lot of superstars on the team. I love seeing teams that are humble and understand their role on the team. One of the things I loved about watching the Suns play this last year, uh, they, there were a couple stars on that team, but uh, Monty Williams, the coach, is, is working to build hum, uh, humility into the team so that they play the best that they can play together. They understand their role on the team and they fulfill that role and support one another. You know what I'm talking about? Like great, great teams are just humble and they understand their role and there is power in community when we come against giants in our lives. And I wanna look at a community piece of this story, the David and Goliath story that um, is kind of missed. It just, it just, as you're reading the story or as you're telling the story, we just miss this. So David has come to the battlefield and he's come with his cheese and crackers for his brothers. And if you miss that, you can go back and discover that that's why David actually came to the battlefield, is he came to bring cheese and, and bread to his brothers who were the warriors in the family. And so he's, he's come to the battlefield and he's asking, like, what's going on? Why aren't we fighting? And why are we on the sidelines just watching? And they're like, oh, Goliath, he's a giant. He's taunting us. He's, he's waiting. And so David's just asking all these questions. When David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking, he was angry. He was angry that David was there trying to discover why and what was going on. What are you doing here, he said. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? Now, isn't that like a big brother? Hey, you've got like those two little dogs you're supposed to be taking care of over there. Those two little sheep, you know, that you're supposed to be taking care of. Like, what about them like right now? Like, what are you doing here? And then he says, I know about your pride and your deceit. And you just want to be here to see this battle. Now, it's interesting to me that, um, it, it's interesting to me that the one who knows David the best in this scene is the one who takes the cheapest shot at him. Have you ever found that to be true in life? That the person who's closest to you, who knows your weakness, who knows your struggles, who knows the thing, like David's brother, who's supposed to be his family. Some of you have experienced this in your life. The person who's supposed to be your biggest supporter is the one who stabs you in the back. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but have you ever been there? Have you ever felt, <laughs> some of you are like, I'll testify to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just interesting to me that his brothers who wanna take the biggest, who, who, wanna, who wanna stab David in the back are the ones who are standing on the sidelines and not trusting God in the midst of the battle that they're facing. And it's easier to redirect to someone else, isn't it? It's easier to compare ourselves to others and point out their failures or their weaknesses or their sin rather than our own. See, community and the people we surround ourselves with is vitally important when we're facing giants of our own. It's one of the things that's 
The, it's, it's the most beautiful thing, I think, about AA and the 12 Steps program. It's a beautiful community that's humble with one another and full of grace and mercy for one another because they all realize we are in this battle together. And it's one of the things I believe the church needs in the world today is some honesty and humility and some grace for one another. It's like we're demanding perfection out of one another when we give ourselves all the grace that actually we should be pouring out towards others. Come on, church. Are you with me? All right. When it comes to spiritual formation, when it comes to life formation, it cannot be a private thing. I think Dallas Willard said this, yeah. Spiritual formation cannot be a private thing. And so often we believe our battles are private battles. We think our spiritual life is a private thing that's just for us. But it can't be private because it's a matter of whole life transformation. And whole life transformation is on display for everyone to see. You need to seek out others in your community who are pursuing the same renovation of the heart. Like we need to seek out, in, 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 in our community, with one another, we need to seek out this desire to be renovated and transformed, even in the midst of our battles, so that God can bring healing and wholeness to each one of our lives. And God wants that for you. God wants you to overcome the giants in your life that taunt you and keep you from being the person he's created you to be. He wants you to overcome the addictions that are sidetracking you from what Jesus called a full life. So, in the, in the next few minutes, what I want to do is I want to read some scriptures from the New Testament that give us some direction and some guidance in how to do this. And um, I would encourage you maybe to write these down and make little notes and think about how these might apply in, in, to you in, in your life and with whatever giant that it is that you're facing or whatever giant that you might come up against. And the first one's crazy to me. Are you ready for the first one? It's found in the book of James. It really is, I think, the heart of AA and the 12 steps. And here it is. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. So we're just going to take some time today, and I want you to meet someone you've never met before, and I want you to confess your sins. <laughs> That's not what James is saying. No, it's, this is in the context of healthy trusted relationships. But listen, listen, listen. I think we miss this all the time. It's interesting. I, I feel like so often when we show up in small groups or circles, we actually, um, we try to position ourselves as if we're not struggling with certain things. Or we control what we share so that people only know a they see a glimpse of what it is we're struggling with. And James says, look, if you want to find healing, if you want to find healing in your life, the way to do that is not by keeping it covered up. 
It's by finding some trusted friends that you can go on a journey with who can help bear that weight alongside of you. And listen, we know this to be true, don't we? Let's just talk about the reality of life. Anytime we've hid something in our lives that we don't want anyone else to know about, it has gained a foothold in our hearts and in our minds, and it actually holds us back from the healing that we're all seeking. The private struggles that each one of us has in our lives, and listen, let's not, let's not mince words, all of us have them. We are on equal footing when it comes to sin and brokenness. You're not smiling with me. I'm smiling to try to make it feel better. We are on equal footing when it comes to sin and brokenness. All of us need help. All of us have struggles. All of us have pain. All of us make mistakes. All of us make horrible decisions in our life. Every single one of us, every single one of us. And James, the brother of Jesus, encourages us that if we want to find healing, Sometimes it takes being humble with another human being, not just God, another human being, so that we can walk out healing in our lives. Now that's scary. AA is a beautiful picture of this. It's a gorgeous picture of transparency and honesty and humility. I, I think... Uh, I, I think AA is a picture of the church. I, I, th I think it's, when I was growing up, I had a great church. My dad's a pastor. I loved my church growing up. But I never really saw this happening in my church. It's, it's interesting that it was happening in AA circles and 12 steps, but it wasn't happening in the church. But it was written for us, the church. It was written for us to find healing. All right, there's another one. Here's another passage of scripture for us. Brothers and sisters, Paul writes, if someone is overcome by some sin, you who live by the Spirit, those of you who are allowing the Spirit to shape you and transform you, should restore that person gently and humbly but watch yourselves, like watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, I want to walk this little passage out. Stay with me. Stay with me here. The subject of this passage, where this passage begins, is if there is someone who is overcome or, let's say, weighed down by sin... That sounds like a giant to me, doesn't it to you? Like Paul is painting this picture, like if there's someone in your community who's weighed down or overcome or controlled or taunted or however you want to put that by sin, then there should be some others who should come and restore that person. Is the word there condemn that person? No. For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No, it's not condemn. It's not point out. It's restore. Bring goodness. Like return them to their rightful place. 
Restore that person with gentleness and humility. And this is where I think we miss it sometimes, church. We like want to go here, but we don't do it humbly. We do it harshly. And humility is the game changer. Because we got to watch ourselves, because then we may be tempted. Tempted by what? Tempted by whatever it is that's weighing them down? Maybe. Tempted by pride? Ooh, now that's a little too personal. Tempted by thinking too highly of yourself because you were the one who restored that person? Oh, wait a minute, now you're getting into my business. Yes, tempted by all those things. That's why we've got to be gentle and humble as we restore one another. Now, this last piece, this last sentence. I always thought this was like about helping people who are going through difficult times. Carry one another's burdens. Have you ever heard that passage? If you grew up in church, you've probably heard that passage before. And I always thought it meant, hey, if somebody's going through a difficult time, you know, like come alongside and help them out. The context of this verse, however, is about giants and sin that has overcome someone. Now, this changes the idea of carrying one another's burdens. It's not just about helping someone move houses when they're moving houses or providing food when someone needs food. Now, all that's really important. It's, it's important to help somebody move houses when they're moving houses or provide food when they're sick or whatever. Like, those things are super important. But the context of this is that when someone is weighed down by sin, you should actually come alongside them and help shoulder some of the weight that they are carrying so that you may walk this out to healing in their life. Does that make sense? Like you're sharing and carrying one another's burdens or sin. Like you're walking together. And when you do this, that's when you fulfill the law of Christ. And let me share real easily, what, what is the law of Christ? Love. That's it. That's it. It's love. It is loving to carry one another's burdens when we're facing difficult times. Um, this African proverb, I love this. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. If you want to go far, if you want to find deep healing for whatever it is you're facing, go together. Um, I said this last week. I, I, I want to come back to it. Whenever a problem is concealed, it finds power in the darkness. It finds strength in the darkness. Anytime we hide things from others, that, whatever that thing is, whatever that problem or sin is, like there's power in that darkness. But whenever it's confessed, that sin or brokenness or giant begins to lose power in our lives. Okay. I want to give us four things, and I'm thinking... One of these can probably relate to each person in this room. Are you ready? Four things that actually keep us alone and keep us from sharing um, burdens or carrying one another's burdens. And here they are. Shame, cynicism, comparison, and pride. These four things, I think, drive us to more and more isolation, keep us from sharing and, and humbly carrying one another's burdens. And I want to walk through each one of these and maybe God's spirit would just like nudge you towards one of these um, that I think all of us tend to own. Are you with me? Hey, you, came, like, you came to church for some work today, didn't you? 
So here we go. Shame. Shame, um, one of the first places that shame shows up in Scripture is at the very beginning of the Bible. Adam and Eve, you know, disobey God, and uh, in Genesis we're told that because they've disobeyed God and they realize what has happened, they go and they hide from God. They're hiding from God, and shame does that to us. It, it gives power to the giants that taunt us, and it causes us to hide, not only from God, it causes us to hide from one another, shame. And some of us are so overcome by shame in our lives. It's been something we've, we've lived in for years, and we've never truly let others in to the deep recesses of our souls. And this is where confession begins to give space to the spirit who actually loves us. Now think about the, the, the tension between these two. You have the giant in your life, you have sin in your life that actually wants to taunt you and hold you captive, and you have God who loves you, who wants you to experience freedom in life. That's the tension. Shame drives us and gives power to the one who taunts us. Confession moves us closer and closer. So maybe for you, this week, as you go through the journal, it's about trying to undo or un move away from the shame that has just settled on your life. Second one, cynicism. Now, I know a lot of men. I'm not going to point out that specific people deal with this one, but I, I know men, like cynicism is something that, that tends to get inside of us. We become cynics because we give trust to certain people and we're let down by those certain people and so we become cynics. We, we, we start to believe we can't trust anybody. And what cynicism does is it drives us further into isolation and darkness and keeps us from relationships because we don't believe we can trust anybody. We're just cynics about it all. We don't trust anybody. And men, sometimes this is the thing that keeps everyone at arm's length. It's just the, the cynic in us that says, oh yeah, I tried to trust somebody once. And they stabbed me in the back like David's brothers. We're cynics. Grace, intention with cynicism, grace welcomes us into healing and trust. There's shame, there's cynicism. Then there's the comparison game that a lot of us play. Comparison will kill the work of God in you and in me. And comparison on both ends of the spectrum. Some of us tend to compare ourselves against others and think of ourselves as better than others. At least I don't struggle with that sin. At least I don't struggle with that. My, mine isn't nearly as bad. Like mine doesn't really hurt anybody. That's one of the biggies. So I'm just gonna talk about your sin because that's, yeah, I'm gonna compare my sin to yours and I'm gonna feel really good about myself. Others of us compare ourselves and we always think worse of ourselves. Like nobody's as bad as me. You know what I mean? Like nobody has ever been to th these lows. And comparison will always kill the work of God within us because we're just comparing, always. Like I'm better, I'm worse, whatever. Reflection, like internal self-reflection is what 
God can use to soften our hearts and transform us. Move us away from the giant that's controlling us. So there's shame, there's cynicism, there's comparison. Do I have everybody covered yet or should I give you one more? Here we go. Last one, pride. Pride. And I know none of us deal with pride because in this culture, in this city, pride isn't something that in, in, in infects us. Let's just talk about it as if somebody else is dealing with it because none of us have pride. None of us deal with this, this, this attitude or this stance where we are just defensive about it because we don't want anybody to really know what's down deep. So we're just prideful people. And when we're prideful people, we have to defend everything in our lives, even the sin or the giants or the addictions that are wrecking us in the darkness. Like it's just too much. I can't let anybody know what's really going on down deep within me because I've built an image that I want other people to see. I, like I said, I know in Scottsdale, we don't deal with this. Fountain Hills, we're good. Like someone somewhere, maybe, maybe we'll watch this and they'll, they'll get it. But for some, pride is a big deal. Not us. Not me. I don't deal with that. Not pride. Nope. Humility, intention with pride, humility is what opens us. Humility and, and transparency is what begins to open us to the work that God wants to do in our lives. Now, it's one thing to talk about this. It's another thing to sit down with a trusted friend and open up, expose the dark pieces of what's going on down deep within us. I mean, it's dangerous to go there. Um, you know, I, I think for those of you who are married um, in a committed, long-term marriage relationship, I think one of the greatest powers that God gives us in our spouses is the work of the Spirit. And sometimes it's so difficult to be honest with our spouse about certain things that they may not see. But listen, God can bring incredible healing when we open up and share. But that's not something you have to have because there is something in a deep, committed, long-term friendship as well that creates the opportunity and the space for God to bring through his spirit some healing in our lives. I, 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 once heard, um, I once heard this pastor who, um, from Alabama, he said, he said, you know what? We can uh, get on our knees every morning and confess our sins to God and repeat the same patterns and sin in our life every single day for the rest of our lives. Just us and God because we keep it private. And he said, but true freedom comes when we humble ourselves enough to be honest with another human being. Because it's in that honesty with another human being that we find accountability and someone who will carry the load, shoulder the load alongside us. You gotta find the right people. You can't can't just plaster it on a poster board and put it up for everyone to see. That's not what he's talking about. You got to find the right people to journey with. Hey, in the early 70s, there was a, um, 
back in the early 70s, there was a, an author, writer, and um, not an author, he was a singer, songwriter, and he wrote this song that I think is a good one that you should sing with me. Lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll hey, be your friend. I'll help you carry. Why? For it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. You just call on your brother when you need a friend. We all need somebody to lean on. Might have a problem that we all need somebody to lean on. Okay. So the band was asking me this morning, when, when should we come out? And I said, when I start singing. And they just, <laughs> they started laughing. I thought we should end on a note like that. But there's such power in the truth of that song that Bill Withers wrote. Lean on me. When you're not strong, because I can be a friend and I can help carry the burden. I mean, it sounds like scripture. Was he reading scripture when he wrote that? I don't know. I can help carry that burden that you're, it's weighing you down, it's taunting you. And you know, it's not gonna be long before I'm gonna need some help as well. Because every single one of us faces giants in our lives. God's forgiveness and grace is free flowing and it's often made known in our lives by His Spirit. God's grace and His forgiveness is free flowing and it's often made known through His, through His Spirit that's working in us. Healing and freedom from God, however, healing and freedom from God is most often discovered through vulnerability, through vulnerability with another human being. Isn't that amazing how God wired us? It's unbelievable. Um, we're gonna sing one last song about the goodness of God because God is so good and we should remind ourselves of that all the time. His grace is far reaching. And as we do this, I wanna give you some space just to reflect and, and maybe respond to God in a couple different ways. There's candles in the back of the room. And here's the deal, light in the Bible almost always represents God's presence. Where there's light, God is there. And maybe for you, you've got some darkness that's invaded your soul. Or you've been hiding or covered with shame and I wanna invite you to light a candle today and as you light that candle, ask God and ask his spirit to begin to bring light into the dark recesses of your life. There's communion in the back, um, just in, in between the, the, the sections of seats and communion is this unbelievable reminder. It's physical and there, there's even taste to it that God wants us to continually remember the sacrifice of Jesus and the far-reaching impact of his love for us, the forgiveness that we find. And so take this little piece of bread that is a symbol of the body of Christ broken for you and for me. And a little cup of juice that is a symbol of his blood which has been 
poured out for the forgiveness of sins. This is the new covenant that God has with us, that it's not our work that achieves forgiveness. It's the work of Christ solely. Would you stand with me as we sing and just feel the freedom to respond however you need to respond this morning. God, you are good. And you've given us your spirit, but you've also given us each other. And I pray that we would lean into one another. That we would learn to know when we can confess our sins to one another so that we might find healing. I pray that we would know how to carry one another's burdens and journey towards healing. God, thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, your hope in all things. We pray this in Jesus' name.